At this time, Steve Andrews will come with the sermon, Man's Duty to God. lively one today. <laughs> I think that's got it right there. Sounds good. It's interesting that um, for those of you that have been following the, uh, maybe not, um, been following the news, we, um, we finally can stick the Ten Commandments up in Oklahoma City. And um, just as soon as we got that okay, <laughs> the ACLU, Anyway, that other organization that doesn't like that decided to take it to court again. So just like there's always something out there that's just trying so hard to wipe God out of everything. I mean, it's just so pervasive. And now we have um, all kinds of affronts in all kinds of uh, directions now in this nation. It seems like uh, things that are affecting the world are starting to affect us and coming to in our direction. Um, we used to believe in quarantine at one time. <laughs> uh, I don't know that we believe in it anymore. I would have, in fact, I would have quarantined even those people that you know, were on the mend uh, for a little bit longer and, and wouldn't have brought them back over to America. But we, we don't seem to think very well today and we don't seem to have that... Um, logic and uh, wisdom that we used to have at one time. And it seems like that there's an awful lot of false ways and false, um, what I'll call false gods um, out there today that are turning the heads of our, our people and even turning the heads of Christians. Well, it all started in, <laughs> in the beginning in the garden, didn't it? God gave... And I'm not going to, we, we go over this a lot, but for this particular message, I just had to go all the way back to the beginning. It was, a, it was in the garden that God put man and, and you know, Adam and Eve. They had a great place to live. They had all the food they could eat. Um, they had perfect conditions. I suspect the weather was you know, just fine because there weren't any clothes. And... Um, and they had, a, they had a job. God had given them a job. Yeah, they were to rule over his creation. Wow, what a profound job. And all of a sudden, in comes this false god, and they listen to it. I'm going to call it an it, because we know that it, it had us... Um, kind of a serpentine, it stood up on its two legs, but it was a kind of a serpentine looking creature that approached Eve. Now she probably had seen the other animals, and so this probably wasn't unusual to her to see this, this particular creature. And he convinced her and Adam uh, to sin. This false god that came in to, to that perfect environment, that perfect place. They should have been doing their duty to God. 
they ended up doing their duty to this false god. We're going to jump ahead to Mount Sinai. And here's where we find the children of Israel. They've come out of slavery. They've escaped from the bondage that was keeping them in slavery. And they've come to a perfect place where God can talk to them, give them his commands and be with them. And when Moses went up to receive those commands and tarried just a little bit long, there must have been some followers of Baal, or Baal, however you want to call his name, amongst those Egyptians and those Israelites that came out of Egypt because they convinced the children of Israel to make a couple of calves and worship false gods. And their duty should have been to the true God, and they were willing to accept this false God in the form of these two calves. Well, God, even though he wanted to wipe them out, Moses stood in the, stood in the breach. They survived, and God gave them his commandments. And it's interesting, the first three commandments are to worship him and no other God. Let's go to Deuteronomy for the first scripture. Because these are our duty. These are man's duty. And believe it or not, it's all of mankind's duty. Today they don't believe that. They don't understand that. I think, I think we'll go to Exodus, the 20th chapter. I think that's the one that I had. I, had, I said Deuteronomy, but I think let's go, let's go to Exodus, the 20th chapter. And we'll just read those first three verses there, the first few verses, um, 1 through 7. God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, which have brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. So the first thing he tells them, I am the true God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make to you any graven image of any likeness of anything that is in, earth, in heaven above or is in an earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down yourselves to them nor serve them, for I am the Lord your God, I'm a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy to thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. So we see God sets the parameters and the duty of man is to have only one God and to worship that one God and to not have any other gods before him. In Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter now, we find something else that's very very profound, this powerful God who created all that we see, all the universe, all that's out there, this powerful God who <laughs> wiped out the Egyptians, who um, also wiped out that first um, uh, before the flood and, and only Noah survived, also tells us, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, verse 4, and, you shall, and this is the important part. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart 
with all your soul, with all your might. And he says, and these words which I commanded you this day, you shall, it shall be in your heart, and you shall diligently teach your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall bind them for a sign upon your hands, and they shall be as frontless before your eyes. And you shall write them upon the posts of your house, upon your gates. And it shall be when the Lord your God shall have brought you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, to give great and goodly cities which you build not, and houses full of good things which you filled not, and wells dug which you dug not, vineyards and olive trees which you planted not. And when you shall have eaten and be full, then be aware lest you forget the Lord which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And I didn't have all of those in that thing, but I thought that that was extremely important because, again, he's talking about them going after false gods. And that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. In Deuteronomy, the 11th chapter, and these are just individual verses here. Deuteronomy 11, verse 1. Therefore you shall love the Lord your God, keep his charge, his statutes, his judgments, and his commandments always. Keep his statutes, his commandments, judgments, and always. Now in Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, which um, are, got the first three, I think, first three verses there. I'm going to pick it up in verse 4 or actually verse 15. Um, it's interesting that uh, all of those scriptures also fit very, very well into to what I was thinking and the direction that, that my mind was also going. So that shows that uh, God was kind of directing both of us today to, to bring this message. He says, see, I've set before you, verse 15 in, in Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, I set before you this day life and good and death and evil. And that I command you this day to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God shall bless you in the land where you go to possess it. He says, but if you turn, if your heart turn away so that you will not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce you this day that you shall surely perish and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land where you pass over Jordan to the possessive. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your seed may live. Moses warned the children of Israel the potential that was there, the potential of false gods, of idolatry, of, of believing the world, especially the world that they were going into, which was extremely pagan. And they were, they were to chase those nations out so that they wouldn't be influenced by them. Now, we don't have that luxury. We have to live within it, but we don't have to allow it in. We can put it out. He says that you may love the Lord your God and that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he is your life 
and the length of your days, that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. This was the warning that Moses gave the children of Israel before they went over into the promised land. And history pretty much shows that Israel sinned, especially the northern, you know, the early on the northern tribes sinned, separated from God. God um, took them out of the, the land, and, and, and we know that they migrated uh, away from that area. And then a powerful ruler named Nebuchadnezzar came in and, and began to rule over um, uh, the children of, uh, of Judah and uh, Benjamin um, and the southern, those two southern tribes, three southern tribes actually, was Levi also. And in that, we find that he makes his own statement about the power of God. And I thought that it fit in really well today. The duty of man to God, in the nations that we live in, in the nation that we live in and the nations that are around us, they are beginning to push God further and further away. They don't understand. They they. Anybody that talks about, oh, you know, in God we trust. No, we don't. We don't want to have anything to do with it. And, of course, they don't trust in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They don't trust in Jesus Christ, and they don't even want to hear, oh, Jesus, we don't want to hear that. You know, they're getting to the point where they don't want it in places, in certain places in, in the, the government. And yet, one of the most powerful leaders at that time, Nebuchadnezzar, had to learn the lesson that there's a greater power, there's a most powerful power out there that rules over the nations, no matter whether we can see that or not. It's interesting that there's, that there's two realms. There's this physical realm that we live in and exist in, but there's a spiritual realm that exists and is very dynamic and very powerful. And it's there. It's there. And God proved it to this world leader through some, <laughs> through some powerful words that Nebuchadnezzar left for us. Let's go back now to Daniel, the fourth chapter. As we read this account, I'm going to pick it up in verse 8 because this is very important as Daniel explains it, but it's, it's Nebuchadnezzar's words that have been written down. He's explaining what happened. But the last Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. And it was very interesting that when he chose these young children, he decided that all of them should have his God's names. We're going to pervert these young men. We're going to bring them into this society. We're going to pervert them, and we're going to make them Babylonians. We're going to make them worship at our God's feet. Well... Nebuchadnezzar found out very quickly that there's a more powerful God and, and that all those others are not gods. He says, And in whom is the spirit of the holy gods? Before him I told the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, master of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no secret troubles you. Tell me the visions of my dream that I have seen and the interpretation thereof. 
Thus were the visions of my head and my head in my bed. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and the height thereof was great. The tree grew and was strong and the height thereof reached to the heavens and the sight thereof to the end of all the earth. The leaves thereof were fair and the fruit thereof much and in it was meat for all and the beasts of the field have shadow under it and the fowls of the heaven dwell in the boughs thereof and all the fish were fed of it. And I saw in the vision of my head upon my bed and behold a watcher and a holy one came down from heaven. If you read the book of Daniel, it is fascinating what he reveals about that other kingdom, that other realm. He reveals a lot about the angelic realm and how they, um, they watch over this, you know, the world and, the, and individuals. It's interesting that it says here, the watcher, it was an angel or you know, uh, an agent from God. And a holy one came down from heaven, and he cried aloud and said, Hew down the tree, cast off its branches, shake off its leaves, scatter its fruit, let the beast get away from under it and the fowls from the branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and its roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let its portion be with the beasts of the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from a man's, and let the beast's heart be given to him, and let seven times pass over him. This matter is by the decree of the watchers and demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know, and this is the important part of this, that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives to it whomsoever he will and sets over it the basest of men. And I, the first time that I had that ever reread to me, I... I I got to thinking about, you know, sometimes how um, even the rulers of our own nation seem to not be as sharp and as, uh, uh, as they should be. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, O Belteshazzar, declare the interpretation thereof. For as much as all the wise men of all of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for one hour. His thoughts troubled him. The king spoke and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble you. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, the dream be to them that hate you and to the interpretation of your enemies. The tree that you saw, which grew and was strong, whose height reached into the heavens, and the sight thereof all the earth, whose leaves were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all, under which the beasts of the field dwell, and upon whose branches the fowls of the heaven had their habitation. It is you, O king, that are grown and become strong, for your greatness is grown and reaches to the heaven in your dominion to the ends of the earth. In other words, he had a lot of power at that particular age. Whereas the king saw the watcher and the holy one coming down from heaven and saying, hew down, hew the tree down and destroy it, let the, uh, yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass in the field and let it be wet with the dew of the heaven and let the portion be with the beast of the field till seven times pass over it. 
This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which is come upon my Lord, the king. And so the decree, even though there were others that came down, the decree was from God to Nebuchadnezzar. That they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And they shall make you to eat grass as oxen, and shall wet you with the dew of the heaven, and seven times shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomsoever he will. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree, roots, your kingdom shall be sure to you, after that you shall have known that the heavens do rule. This rulership, he didn't understand the power of God and who actually was allowing him to rule. And God made him an example more than once in this, while Daniel was, was alive. And it's very interesting and very profound how this, at least for a moment, he did realize that he really wasn't anything. He says, um, Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you and break off your sins by righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be lengthening of your tranquility. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. God didn't do it right away. It's interesting. <laughs> I, I've always thought this was very profound. Give him a little space. Let him think about it. Maybe he'll repent. So he gave him 12 months. 12 months, one year to think about it. What that dream was all about and the interpretation. <laughs> and this is what he said. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon, verse 29. The king spoke and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? Uh, pompous, you know what? And while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from you, and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives to whomsoever he will. And I bet that shook the earth. <laughs> I bet that shook the earth around him. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. And he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of the heaven till his hairs were grown like angel's feathers or eagle's feathers and his nails like uh, bird's claws. And at, uh, and at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes to heaven my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High. I praised and honor him that lives forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, What do you? This man, this ruler, 
had to be knocked down, but he, he finally realized the power of God and realized that we were only just men. And we only have that power because God allows it. At the same time, my reason returned to me and for the glory of my kingdom and my honor, brightness returned to me and my counselors and my Lord sought to me and I was established in my kingdom. An excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. All his works are truth and his ways judgment and those that walk in pride, he is able to humble, to abase. He is able to put them in their place. In Malachi, the third chapter, we find this. Malachi 3, beginning in verse 13. For your words have been stout against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken so much against you? And he's talking about Israel. You have said it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that you have kept my ordinance and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? And now that we call, and now we call the proud happy, yea, they that work wickedness are set up, yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. Then, then they that fear the Lord spoke often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought on his name. It's interesting that those of us who praise God and honor God with our presence and with, with you know, however we do and reject the false gods of this world, we bring to remembrance what God is doing in our life. It says there's a book being written, a book of remembrance for each and every one of us. I want to be in the kingdom and see if there's anything uh, written that uh, uh, is remembrance of me. I hope there's some good things in there, along with some of the other things I know are probably in there. <laughs> Our great teacher, Jesus Christ, has left us some pro profound, interesting things. Let's go to Matthew, the fourth chapter. And, of course, there's so many in here that um, I can't read them all, but I'd like to read a few here. Matthew, the fourth chapter and beginning, um, where he was tempted the devil. The devil took him up to, a high, uh, to an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And said unto him, All these things will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said unto him, You know, here we have this false God talking to our Savior. This false God who has some little bit of rulership on this earth, but only because God allows it. Talking to our Savior. He says, Get you here from here, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And the devil left him. <laughs> and the angels came and ministered to him. He knew when to leave. He was defeated. 
He knew he couldn't win anymore. It was time for him to depart, skulk back into his little hole. 12, verse, uh, chapter 12, 46 through 50. While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood outside, desiring to speak to him. Then one said to him, Behold, your mother and your brother, and they stand outside, desiring to speak to you. And he answered and said unto him, Who is my, my mother and who is my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples, and behold, my mother and my brethren. He says, For who? Soever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same as my brother and sister and mother. Now he wasn't excluding his own family, but he was he was making a very point point that serving God comes first. Serving God comes first. And when we serve the Father, we also now are brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ as he is serving at the right hand of the Father today. In Matthew, the 22nd chapter, Matthew, the 22nd chapter, Jesus here, beginning in verse 15, Then when the Pharisees took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk, and they were always doing that, and they sent out to him their disciples, with uh, the Herodians saying, Master, we know that you are true and that teach the way of God and truth. Neither care you for any man, for you regard not the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what think you? Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? And Jesus, perceiving their wickedness, and said, Why tempt you me, you hypocrites? <laughs> you pretenders, you phonies. Show me the tribute money. Show me that tribute money. And they brought it to him and bought him a penny. And he said to them, Who's this image and superscription? He said, Show him the coin. And they said unto him, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and the things that are God, uh, the, and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. The wisdom of Jesus over the, these leaders and that. And still in 22, beginning in verse 36, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So he confirms what the Old Testament has written, what was written in the Old Testament. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. These two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. To love God and to love your neighbor. These are powerful, powerful um, commandments. And in, and in uh, John, the 14th chapter. John the 14th chapter and beginning of verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So we have a commandment to love both the Father and the Son. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and give you another comforter that you may abide with you forever. That he may abide with you that, uh, with forever. 
For even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. And I'll not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. So Jesus, in verse 19, Yet a little while, and the world sees me no more, but you see me, because I live. You shall live also. And in that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And then in Luke, back in Luke, the 10th chapter, beginning in verse 18. He said, I, I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. He said, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall be by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, it's interesting, even if we received all the kind of power that, that might come uh, from God to do marvelous works, fantastic, powerful, marvelous works. Jesus says there's something even more that we should desire in our life, even a greater thing that we should desire. He says, notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That is far more powerful than all those other things that could be given. Now, we would love to have the power over certain things and be able to you know, heal instantly and do all of that. But it's better to have a rapport with God, to reject the false gods, to love our God, to love our Christ, and to live as they have asked us to live. In James, the fourth chapter, here's some instruction for all of us. Instruction from James about war, about different things that, that we should be inculcating in our life, that we should be using as a duty in our life to God. He says, from whence come wars and fightings among you. Come they not here, even from your lust that war in your members? You lust, you have not, you kill, you desire to have, cannot obtain, you fight and war, yet you have not, because you ask not. There's a spirit out there that's working in these in people, and it's just so horrible to watch it. And sometimes you just wonder, why in the world are people killing their own families? And then it's, it is a spirit of, of, you know, of the wicked one that is moving through people. And they're probably being opened their minds through the drugs that, that are out there. But we see that. We see hatred. We see war. Even among, even among families. It seems like there is more hatred even in families. Where there should be love and concern and, 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 and a, uh, um, a deep love for one another. There seems to be this hatred in so many and we see the divorce rates, and we see all the different things happening. He says, you ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lusts. He says, you adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? So he puts this friendship with God as an adulteress and an adulterer's uh, way of life. 
The world is wicked. And you can see that wickedness. Look at what's coming down the pike from, from, the, from these religious people, supposedly religious people. And I, I can't ever remember, and from my, my earliest days, them ever having that many people being beheaded and then publishing it, putting it on the, you know, on the net. It is so horrid. It is such a wickedness. And I hope that God intervenes one of these days very soon. He says, do you think that the scripture says in vain the spirit that dwells in us lusts to envy? He gives more grace, wherefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. The Day of Atonement's coming up, another time in which we can look inside of ourselves, ask for God's forgiveness, and become more one with God, be more dedicated to God, more dedicated to this way of life. He says, be afflicted, mourn, weep, let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he'll lift you up. He'll lift you up. Speak not evil one to another, brethren. He that speaks evil of his brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are a doer of the law, not a judge. Oh, let's see. Maybe I did that. Oh, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. That little word was in there. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you that judge another? Go to now. You that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas you know not what shall be on the tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. We are always reminded in the Bible that we are mortal, <laughs> that we, we can die that our life is not infinite as a physical human being. And we need the Spirit of God in us to quicken us. We need to have that relationship with, with God. For that you ought to say, if, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boasting. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. So James gives us some, some things to get closer to God, the duties that we need to do, both for, for our own personal um, spiritual strengthening and for our relationship to God. In the end, we see what happens to the false god. It's going to be a rejoicing. The day will come when the false god will be taken out of this world that has deceived, um, destroyed, done whatever he could to ruin what God has created. 
Found in verse thir- is chapter 13 of Revelation, beginning in verse 4. And they worshiped the dragon, which gave power to the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And it was given to him a mouth speaking great things, blasphemies. Power was given to him to continue forty and two months. It's going to be a time in which people are going to be worshiping false, a false god. And they're going to be thinking they're going to be worshiping the true god. But what's behind them is the true false god, the great dragon, Abaddon, Satan, all the names, the, the blasphemous names that he, he is. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven and was given to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given to him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names were not written. Key, whose names were not written in the book of the Lamb, a uh, book, of, book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. These words need to be read and understood and read again and thought about and meditated on. A time is going to come in this world when there will be a great evil, and it may already be beginning, but it's not quite here yet. Not all of it is here yet, but it's coming. And we know that one of these days that great dragon will be chained and put away, He won't influence anyone anymore. Here is the most precious thing that we have. These promises that Jesus gave to us in Revelation 2, 3, the second and third chapters of Revelation. I just want to read just this one in Revelation 3 and verse 5. Because this is so very much important for each and every one of us as Art wrote some of these other ones in here. So we'll just pick this one up. He that overcomes, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. You know, white is a symbol of righteousness. Of, of um, And in this case, since we'll be spirit beings of perfection. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. And he that has an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Our duty, and the duty of man, is to understand who are false gods and and where idolatry is and where it affects each and every one of us. Our duty then is to worship the true God and to live a righteous life in his way so that we might all be in his kingdom as his sons and daughters in that day of great glory. I look forward to that.